Welcome to the M&A Cornercast, a podcast focused on the world of mergers and acquisitions. Helping inform the business owners and advisors we work with every day. I'm your host, Chuck Dallas. I have more than 10 years of experience with mergers and acquisitions, both from a corporate perspective and as an outside advisor. Today with us on M&A Cornercast is Jay Rosencrantz, Managing Director of Pappas Delaney down in the Milwaukee area. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, Chuck. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your firm, Pappas Delaney, so the listeners have an idea of what you do there? Absolutely, Chuck. We're a retained executive search and coaching firm that works with a lot of small and mid-sized companies and things from manufacturing to food and beverage distribution, professional services. We work in the area of private equity, ESOPs, family-held companies, family offices. We've been doing that over 20 years now. Excellent. Great. I want to ask you to maybe explain to our listeners, what's your position on the need to make a change within leadership after an acquisition? I'll tell you what, Chuck, it totally depends upon the situation, the current leadership and the expectations. I started doing M&A work from the inside with acquiring companies over 25 years ago. And so one of the things I've learned over the years is as early as you can, hopefully in due diligence, but really early on, do your homework and focus on who are the people that are really performing, who are the people that make it go. Don't rely on titles. You really need to sit down and communicate and talk with them. And so I think that that's important. I think people kind of skip that step. Right. People go into acquisitions with the best intentions. They go in with wonderful plans. They have great ideas and and they're ready to do it. But then inevitably something happens. There's other business problems and different things. And so a lot of the looking into the leadership and what it takes to, in a sense, thrive in an organization gets thrown to the side or put on hold to later. And as we know, later never really happens when it comes to these things. Right. So that becomes a problem. And I do believe wholesale leadership changes rarely work. Yeah. I haven't seen it work very often. Okay. That's interesting. And I really like your comment about doing your homework during that due diligence time because, you know, maybe some of your most important managers, you'll never have a chance to visit with them during the due diligence. It's confidential in the transaction that you're doing. So you have to study their resumes, their history, maybe their education that's out there to really make a valid decision that, yes, this will be a key person on my staff, right? Absolutely. You know, and a lot does depend on letter of understandings and what the expectations are from the deal, from the, you know, the the relationship that's going on. But one of the things people don't seem to understand is that we live in the most transparent time in the history of humankind. You can pretty much find out anything about anyone Uh, and and, and, and legally appropriate things. Let's make sure we're saying that it's appropriate things. But a lot of it, you know, people are happy to share and happy to talk to you. And again, staying within the bounds of the letter of understanding. But through some of these conversations, you can really figure out who are the producers, who are the must haves. And I always say put a fence around them as quick as possible. Don't get fooled by titles. Yeah. A lot of times the real thriving people, the people that are making that go, don't have the title that you might think. Right. So be very careful on that front. 
Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was just talking to somebody about that yesterday because they were still using the title bookkeeper. Yep. And I said, hmm, you know, that's a little aged. Absolutely. And yet that may be the person that does payroll, AP, AR, you know, all the work. Absolutely. And has a pulse on the company. And you're calling them a bookkeeper and you're looking at it through the process going, well, we don't need a bookkeeper. Absolutely. Yeah. Always be careful on titles. Right. Yeah. Oh, good point. You know, Chuck, I think another thing that people kind of miss on in the, in the M&A world is the fact that you're acquiring a company usually for a good reason. They're pretty well run. Now, we're always looking for upside. We get that. You know, you don't buy a business saying, hey, I hope it continues at this nice pace we're on. No, you really want to increase productivity. You want to increase the value of the company. But people make mistakes a lot of times by bringing in other individuals within maybe portfolio companies they've had that have been successful before and wondering why those people fail. More often than not is they didn't fit into the culture of that organization they're going into. Right. And I I think people figure, well, you know, it's like past performance is going to indicate future success. In leadership, that doesn't always happen because, again, if you don't fit into the things that it takes to thrive in an organization that these people are already performing and you bring a leader in that's just going to do things his or her way, they really destroy that culture and really set the company back. People make that mistake all the time. Yeah, actually, a company that I worked for for many years, we bought a company and your point on culture and people, the new manager come in with an iron fist. The two top mechanical people for this farm supply business left within three weeks, went to a competitor. We ended up selling the business about eight months later just to get the asset value back out of it. It totally crumbled. It happens. In fact, several months ago, I was talking to one of the private equity companies that focuses in the medical equipment space, and, and they were talking about something that happened out west where they put a new president in of the business, and they thought this was the perfect fit. The man had a similar background, similar size companies, great pedigree, great education, even a great customer base they thought he would bring along. And what had happened was he was a total mismatch. And by the time 18 months went by, when they fired him, he cost the company millions of dollars. Right. Not yeah. only the legal bills and what it costs to land him, then get rid of him and severance, but also looking, they lost their top person in sales and Ooh. a number of other people, which in the business behind the scenes, we call body count, which Shit. people don't put a good right. number on. Yep. And so that was a very costly hire. And the firm figured out. We went for pedigree and we thought this was a perfect fit. We didn't take any time to figure out if he really fit into the, the culture's organization, yeah. and he didn't, and he really left mess. Now, everybody's got some of those examples when you've been working in the merger and acquisition world, right? Yeah, and it's, it's a fascinating world, but I think sometimes we miss on the people. The other thing I would be remiss if I didn't talk about when you talk about the M&A space and how we look at leadership and things like that is a big issue for organizations is the leadership gets to get outstripped by the growth of the company. We hire for what we look like now. When again, when we acquire companies, no one says, hey, this is good enough. If we can right. just keep it here. No, we're looking for a lot of times tremendous growth, if not significant. We want tremendous. And we don't look at our leadership team that way. We need to be developing and hiring to people that if we want to increase this by 10 or $20 million or $40 million, that's a different person usually than the one we have here now. Well, and part of that, Jay, let's even talk a little bit about, so you have the owner that's maybe in their 70s, they've held on maybe too long and they're tired. Hey, it was paying me a decent enough wage. I was doing all right, but business is tired. 
maybe my revenue and profits are showing it. You know, they're declining. Now, as a new person coming in, you have to have the vision to say what is needed from a leadership perspective to turn this around and take it to the next level, right? Yeah, I think that's important. As organizations do get tired, and everybody in the M&A world knows is that there may be that patriarch of that business that's really holding it together in mysterious ways. Right. And not, not nefarious, <laughs> but mysterious. Yeah. I have no idea how he or she does that. And then when they leave, you realize you don't have people in place to keep it going, and you're not going to find that unicorn again. Right. And so you really need to be prepared for that. And as we know, in family companies, that happens all the time where... Yep. Or, or, or it gets handed off and the, the next generation really has no desire to run that company and feel like it's an obligation. Yep. That's a whole other thing that right. we work through on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. Because, boy, does that show to the employees. You know, son, daughter, both. Yeah, well, I guess it's our obligation to take it over. But if that culture changes or the whole environment within that business, you're going to lose your key people that are important to you, aren't you? I think you're going to lose those key people. That's a great point, Chuck. You know, one of the things when that's transpiring, more often than not, when you start talking to that family as they're thinking about getting out or thinking about bringing different leadership in, they're oblivious to the fact that everyone in that organization has been watching. Right. It, that always amazes me that they think, well, no, we're still a tightly run ship. There's no fighting going on between the family members and so forth. That couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Everybody sees what's going on. Everybody's watching you. And so, you know, you're not fooling your employees. That's, right. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're there, you know, five days a week, if not longer. And, and you see that and that makes an impression on them. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with a company that uh, one of their, their operations folks had a detailed how much the owner of that company spent at his house in, in Florida, how much they spent time, time skiing. It was a big joke between employees. And not that owners can't do that, but at the same time, they were the employees were measuring that with the decline in the business. Right. And so you yeah. can't hide anything. Again, we're in an incredibly transparent time. Oh, exactly. And some of that, uh, Jay, it goes hand in hand that, yeah, I'm going on fancy vacations. I got two, three houses, yet uh, most of my staff is getting paid right around minimum wage. Yeah, and we're going to charge I, you 300 bucks more for your health insurance right, this month. And, and right. again, a, a, a lot of that's understandable. We, people are in business to make money. I just think when you're doing it, you just have to understand that people see it. Right. What are some things that you witness every day in the marketplace that might surprise some people? Oh, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things. And, and actually, it's this is kind of a fun area. Me and my partners would say, with great certainty, we believe that there's only two things that really separate most companies from others, from one company from another, I should say, and that is their employment brand. We all have a unique employment brand yep. and we all have a unique culture or set of characteristics that thrive within that organization. And again, those should be a competitive advantage. And I think a lot of people don't understand what theirs are. And so if you don't understand what they are, you can't hire to it. You can't retain people because of it and certainly can't develop people that way. And so since everyone has a unique brand, you better own it. You better live up to it and be proud of it. You right. know, it's funny. I, I know two plastics manufacturers. This is the perfect way to look at the world if you look at your employment brand out there. You walk through one plastic plant. So what do you guys do? And it is, well, we, we make these plastic fittings for this and it goes into some of that. 
and we put through you know, a couple million pieces a day, and it's great. And then you go down the street to the other plastics manufacturers doing the same darn thing. What do you guys do? It is, we actually save people's lives. Our plastic goes into this in the medical right. field, and they're going on and on, and all the employers are buying it and, and preaching the gospel on that. And you think to yourself, if I'm standing here wanting to come to work for a plastics manufacturer, which one am I going to? Right. Someone owns their brand. Yep. And again, when we we work with clients, it is you need to hire to the characteristics that the other people already in your organization are thriving under. Sure. You, you know, bring people in. So much knowledge is imparted in your employees. Your employees know what it takes to really thrive in an organization, but we don't ask them a lot. Right. You know, human resources says we're going to put together a job description and this is what we need to go find. And maybe the president of the a smaller company or you know, other people are involved in that process. Your culture and the things that it takes to thrive within your organization are displayed three levels, probably below there. And they're displayed strongly every single day. But more often than not, we don't ask those people what those are. So the secret is laying right there in our organizations, but we don't bother to go find it. That's just an untapped, easy resource that people walk by every single day. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure you see this in what you're doing on a daily basis. But that culture, that open communication with, let's say, a line worker to a manager is so important today compared to what we grew up with in the 70s and 80s. You know, just shut up and do your job. Those that really have people engaged they're doing well financially and they're not having probably the employment issues that others that are not following those rules are having right now, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on. And I think what's changed is people really do want to stay where they're at if they're treated well right. and they fit into that culture, you know? And, and I think what's happened is People get confused on compensation issues. Here's one that always makes me kind of cringe is people say, well, we lost some of our best machinists. They went down the street for a buck more an hour. Or we lost some executives. They went across the city for 15% more. That's an excuse. People don't, machinists and skilled trades people don't leave for a buck more an hour if they're happy where they're at. Right. It just doesn't happen. Executives don't leave for 15% more. You have other issues, and it's most likely they don't like the culture of the organization. So that's a misnomer. People yeah. don't leave that much for money. Right. But people use that as an excuse. You know, it, it's tough. Jay, I worked 30 years for a company and uh, they were acquired. I left three years ago. When I run into employees that were just like family, you know, that I worked with for many years, their biggest thing is, oh, the culture here, Chuck, uh, you wouldn't believe it. We just hate it here. And how that shifted from that family feel to people that just don't want to go to work through that acquisition, it, that culture has, has a big impact. Yeah, I think you can destroy a culture in months. Being on the other side of the fence when I was helping a, some larger companies acquire, you know, I, I saw that firsthand where we acquired a thriving company very different than we were and early on in the process we said no we're gonna we're gonna respect the culture we're gonna respect respect what they did because what they were producing and coming up with was just amazing products and services yep. but we couldn't help ourselves as an organization and um, we really destroyed that culture and, and before you knew it people were leaving that organization the most again most talented people the most you know the, the best people have the most options 
Before we knew it, we had a couple of factories, and uh, in a sense, the people that other people didn't want. Sure. And so that was a really expensive mistake. We didn't value their culture. We didn't take time to figure it out, and so we had no way of knowing how important that was. They looked at us and said, there's no way I want to work here. Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. In terms of people, the human capital side that's out there, what challenges and opportunities do you see, Jay, on the horizon? Well, almost everywhere I talk in the M&A space, I'm being told there's a bunch of money that needs to get put into play. And so I think we're going to see a lot more activity. People that need to understand is there's a bunch of money out there, but there probably aren't as many companies as people thought. So I think we're going to see much higher prices than people thought. Right. That's what I'm seeing in the marketplace. I think we're working through what this virtual world looks like. And uh, again, anyone that's telling you they know what this new normal thing, whatever that new normal is, I think they're crazy. I don't think anyone knows what it's going to look like yet. We know it's going to be different, but don't believe people if they say they know because they're fortune tellers. The virtual part that people that hire and employ people need to realize that's coming down the pike is in the past, if you were some small, you know, in some small town in the, in the Midwest, you could keep a lot of your really talented employees if they were from the area. Maybe they grew up there, their spouse is there. They were not in danger of going anywhere else. In some uh, jobs, that may change where they don't have to move anymore, but they can go to work for that company in big cities somewhere yep. that will pay them more. So they might perceive that as being the best of the both worlds. That's the downside, as I tell some of my clients. But I also tell my clients the upside is you can now maybe, maybe in certain cases, go to the coast and get talent that you never dreamed of before because they don't have to move to your small town, but they may really be interested in what you do and the virtual nature of that might really come into play. You know, the other thing, we, you can't talk M&A without talking 80-20, right? I, right. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. Again, I think people need to be cognizant of the fact that the 80-20 rule works for people, that 20% of your people probably are coming up with 80% of your best ideas, 80% of the production, as it were. And that is only going to increase. Uh, what we're seeing in the marketplace is insanely talented people that can do the job of two, three people. Right. And so it can be viewed as an opportunity. So when people are stuck in, no, my job description or my salary band only says this, and so I'm not going to go get that person, that might be the right answer, but it might be the wrong answer because if they can bring that much more to your business, they may be worth it. We're starting to see that where there are people that can really produce, really bring a lot more to the table than what would seem to be their peers. Right. Yeah. No, and, and that's some great insight. Don't let that salary cap stop you from bringing in somebody that could really change your organization, right? Absolutely. And you know, the next thing on the talent front that we're seeing really pick up speed is this thing called boomerang employees. And uh, for folks that don't know what that is, it's a little bit like it sounds like, but people that leave your organization may end up coming back. Sure. And some industry, the percentage is growing unbelievably every year. Sometimes it's 30% are boomerang employees that people are hiring. And so that means your offboarding process process now is almost as as, uh, important as your onboarding process. So as people are leaving your organization, even if they're not the fit at that time, maybe if they don't have quite the skills that you want them to have at this point, or your business isn't doing as well, and maybe you're letting them go, right? Be cognizant of the fact they may be a great alternative to come back. So treat them really well on the way out and respectfully. 
and also try and keep in contact with them. Some people involved in a former organization that I used to work in in the oil industry has a big alumni network. And you know what? If companies can nurture that type of thing with former employees, it's a great vehicle to get them back. Don't underestimate the opportunity of boomerang employees. The world is changing, and it used to be, no, you leave my organization, you're done. Right. Well, okay, but you're missing out maybe on a third of the talent pool right now, and most organizations can't afford to miss out on a third of the talent pool. No, very good point. Jay, we truly appreciate your insight and your knowledge within the talent and executive world. Labor is such a serious issue for everybody that's out there. Folks, we've been visiting with Jay Rosencrantz, the Managing Director at Pappas Delaney in the Milwaukee area here in Wisconsin. So thank you, Jay. Chuck, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. It was a good time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the M&A Cornercast. Hopefully we gave you some insight into the world of mergers and acquisitions. We'll see you back again next Thursday with a brand new episode. 